Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Hi, everybody. It's Kara McCarran here with the She's the Owner podcast. Um, I'm really excited to have another badass woman on the show, Caitlin Meyer with Alike. Um, is joining us today. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Kara. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks for coming on. So I always ask sort of the same same 10 questions. And um, and then, like I said, we'll just kind of go from from there. So tell us a bit about your company, the name of your company and why you guys started it. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, So we're alike and we are modern unisex sustainable children's clothing. That's all made right here in the USA. And so it's really built on the foundation that we are all more alike than not. So the idea actually came from my business partner, Melissa Sobergo Camhout, and she has fraternal twins. And so she noticed, you know, the vast difference in boys and girls clothing. And, you know, kids start to notice that too. And so boys clothes are obviously not as colorful at all. And they begin to think that they should be wearing certain things or not and vice versa. Um, so with the idea that, you know, colors are for everyone and that was how Alike was born, just seeing that there's a large gap in what the U.S. provides in terms of colorful unisex clothing. So we kind of want to break down that stereotype because if you think about as kids, we don't, we aren't attuned to stereotypes. So we wanted to build Alike on the foundation that, you know, we aren't either. So again, reminding kids that colors are for everyone and not really trying to separate, um, or have them choose. Yeah, I think because it's and we attach identity to it at a young age, and I think we have time to attach identity to stuff when we get older. So we do, yeah. yeah. And I think society puts that on us as well. Totally. You know, if you think about kids, no different than having a boy or a girl. For babies, you buy them pink or blue, and um, so trying to get away from that and not necessarily have them identify to that as well. Because it's, it is just clothing and it's meant to be fun. And I think it can be like, you often hear moms, oh, she can't wear that. It's not pink. And I'm like, like my four daughters and my kids dress like maniacs all, and they're right. adults. And I was such a tomboy growing me up. Me too. Yeah. And see how we yeah. identify with that. Right. And so that's interesting you say that because now I'm starting a podcast about masculine and feminine energy because I'm too in my masculine. Yep. Maybe part of that was being labeled a tomboy when I was younger. And I used to take pride in that kind of, but now when I look back, I think like it wasn't, um, Oh great. You're a tomboy. It was like, Oh, she's a tomboy. Right. And it's yeah, so but even just having that naming convention right. aspect too. Yeah. Putting that on a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, that's interesting. So we're trying to shift the way people are thinking about things. Right. Yeah. Like my daughter wears, loves black and grays and she's like, she's, I'm not, she'll say I'm not a girly girl. And again, I didn't put that in her, but society, you know, people talk right and, right um yeah i just think fashion's supposed to be fun and just kind of you know it's and also not that serious and i think we can parents no. sometimes make it too serious it's just it's just freaking clothing like yeah <laughs> let's let's focus on the inside of that person and their and their soul and their heart and everything and not get too wrapped up in is she wearing pink because she's a girl or is he wearing no color because he's a boy so very cool right um yeah so when did you what did you want to be when you grew up when you were younger looking, you know, thinking, this is what I want to do when I'm a big girl. (laughs) What were you thinking? (laughs) So I have vivid memories, you know, when you have to draw as part of your, you know, parent teacher nights 
um, I wanted to be a soccer player. Oh, cool. So everyone's kind of drawing doctors and teachers. Um, but I grew up playing soccer and it was at a time when, you know, Mia Hamm and mm. the women were doing awesome in the World Cup. So now you see, you know, what strides they're making. So, so maybe you always a little bit of a get there. badass chick in you all along. So there you go. Make, make sense. I hope so, yeah. Um, so when how 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 long ago did you guys start the company? Uh the idea started uh, about two years ago. Okay. So you're you're fresh. So, you you're know, fresh. It's a long time in the making. Right. Yeah, we are. Um I mean the idea and the production and everything that goes into it. Um, oh. but we actually just officially launched about three weeks ago. Oh wow. Congrats. So it, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it does. People don't realize. I think no one really realized. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. True. Yeah, it's there's um a really wicked uh, like a meme that's out there where it's like a glacier and you see the tip of it and it just says success and underneath the water you'll see the bulk of the glacier and all of the stuff that it takes. Um, and that's such a massive misconception, I think, in entrepreneur. Like I'm old enough to remember the days when entrepreneurship wasn't cool. It's what you did when you couldn't do anything else. And if you like even when I was in my early twenties, I'd be like, Oh, I've started a business. It's like, Oh, it's cause she can't do anything else. That makes sense. And I'm like, you have this idea about what being an entrepreneur is. And now it's, it is very cool to be one. Like that's, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's I made did. it super trendy and like all of the, you know, <laughs> social media. Yeah. Have entrepreneurship programs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, but, people still think there's like this fast, um, like turnaround on how quick it's going to, because you hear the unicorns, right? Like, oh, they started in their basement yeah. six weeks ago and now they're bajillionaires. Yeah, that's not, doesn't happen that way. And, um, but I think women in no, particular, we don't see that. Picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Like, I'm sure you've had many sleepless nights and you're about to have many more. And I think the biggest key is that we don't talk about it openly. And so the disservice we're doing to other women young women, older women is like, if, if they don't get the, re- like, it's fucking hard to do this, but we do it cause we love it. And if you're not passionate yeah. about it, then you're, I think like I tell my kids all the time, follow your passion and the money will show up because you have to have passion to tolerate the bullshit that's about to happen. It's that simple. Yeah. And that patience and determination. Too. Totally. I mean, you even think about the stats still of women funded companies mm-hmm. versus men. Uh, it all goes back to, you know, why can't a woman start her own company? But the stereotypes that were kind of put on her. Right. And that path. And- I just, um, I was at an event that was um, sponsored by Visa a couple of days ago here in Toronto. It was called She's Next, Empowered by Visa. And one stat that I've said about a hundred times since uh, since the event, and that is absolutely jarring to me, is that at least in Canada, of the small business entrepreneurs that are out here, only 16% of them are women. One six. Like. And of those, you know, like, are they funded themselves? They are. By other people? Many, many are funded themselves. And so that's part right. of what's happening out here anyway, is that they're, they're trying to change that. But we we're responsible for several billion dollars of money that's coming. Like even, even with my other company, I'm bringing in all of, all of my clients are essentially American. For the for my content writing company because they're better clients. Truthfully, they just they don't they're more aggressive and they take business in a completely different way than here in Canada. And 
but 16%, and I'm sure it's not that much different in the US. Like that's crazy to me. Crazy to me. Astounding. Yeah. Even and now. You know, I've read a little bit about you too, and the fact that, you know, starting yours, it is all, I often thought it was the man that had the ownership. Right. That's why she's the owner. Listen, boys. Yeah, exactly. It's not that guy. It's me. Not that boy. Start talking. Yeah, and and I and that's it. Like I, I, I'm not. I have. I love men. They're wonderful. They're great business people, etc. Blah blah blah. I feel like I don't have to even go into that disclaimer. But I think it's. I think it is really important that we talk to each other. We talk about it real. Like we talk about on the show about getting your period and like what it feels like when you're PMSing and trying to make decisions for your company. Like that's real stuff. It's not. It's no joke. I feel like a different person a week before I'm getting it. As soon as I get it, I feel like a human again. But there's a week where I won't make big decisions. And and you think about how many women feel like giving up that week when they're PMSing right. or whatever. It does. It ha- and it happens. And like, because we don't talk about it, because it's taboo to say, well, like guys, we all get our periods. So there's a newsflash just in case you didn't know. We do. And it is, and it is, you know, we were conditioned from talk about stereotypes like, oh, she's PMSing. Don't talk to her. She's a bitch today. Like that narrative has been, it starts in, in elementary school. And I think it's really key that we talk to each other about all of the parts of entrepreneurship, including the feminine and masculine energy, the hunter gatherer type of, of um, hats that we wear, because it's, we're not, we're not helping each other for quiet. You know, we're not going to help change right. that 16%. Like there's women listening right now who are like, oh, I'm going to give up because it's not working. It's going to work. You just have to be patient and talk openly with your other female entrepreneur friends about what it's really like. Because we all feel, I'm six years into my other company and you're, you guys are brand new into it. I'm telling you, it's going to be rough. And I'm here for you if you need to talk to me. Because the last thing I, I want to see is you giving up because you have no support. I think that's that's huge. So there's I'm gonna get off my soapbox now and keep going. But yeah, no, but that kind of dives into and and you know I'm kind of new within the last month of looking at it in terms of Tony Robbins' perspective of that feminine and masculine. Right. But you know that's showing more of your feminine and being vulnerable and being able to talk about it. Yep. So what I mean, what's what was the scariest thing about launching this officially for you guys when you finally said, okay, because you would have had to go live on the site and, you know, e-com stores wide open, people can purchase. So what was the scariest thing about pulling the trigger for that, that first moment? You know, I think for me, it was, you know, from that two years ago, you know, taking that first step, I've spent my career in, you know, the final financial services right. space. So, you know, working with Melissa and starting this company and, you know, the ins and outs and understanding a different world. Um, and that fashion world that, you know, was not necessarily what I grew up knowing or what my focus was in. Um, but knowing that I had that business background, you know, you could, you can understand more. And so it is part of, you know, what I've grown in is having that vulnerability aspect and understanding, you know, where I need to dive in or ask for help. And part of that was, you know, using your network Mm -hmm. when you were launching and kind of putting yourself out there and knowing that, you know, some people think this was crazy, um, but supporting, you know, the idea of what we built uh, and putting myself behind that. Did you get a lot? So, you know, if you're in in the financial sector, 
there's obviously the idea of stability in that and and it's you know a quote unquote let's call it a grown up job and it you know all those things that we would associate with having a um, career in that sector. So did you get a lot of resistance? Like did, I know mom, dad, family, friends, did they say like, are you crazy? What are you doing? Like, did you quit a job to launch this full time or tell me a bit about that? No, you know, the great thing is I was lucky enough um, to have grown up where my dad has started two companies. Mm. So, and, and having that, kind of ingrained in me, you know, at a young age. So I remember being, you know, cleaning off his offices or there were times we had to go on the weekends to the warehouse base to unpack and repack boxes. So I think my network, you know, has always known that I've had this idea of wanting to start my own thing. Right. And I've never been shy about talking about it. And so it was really just, you know, for me, the scariest thing was actually taking the leap. Right. Um, knowing that I'd have that network of people that supported me or, you know, my dad and, you know, even my mom have been great supports and bouncing off ideas or what do I need to think about differently? And I don't think, no, necessarily everyone has those people, but you have to find that those mentors or network of people or again, going back, you know, you don't necessarily have the ability to get through those tough times because I've seen it firsthand of, you know, the points where my dad didn't think his businesses would make it. Uh, and they just celebrated their 10 years for a second one. Wow, so, that's amazing. You know, knowing that mindset. Yeah. Um, and just knowing that, you know, it's never going to be easy. And I think, again, going back to talking about things, mm-hmm. you know, as just as you said, um, you know, you've been through a few and know there's ups and downs. But knowing it's a roller coaster versus it's going to be. It was failing is not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's totally not. And it's, um, but I think that's part of, I for me, so obviously I'm an, a big Tony Robbins uh, advocate for the way he puts things, but it's, it is those times that are tricky and that are hard that it's like building a muscle. Like now if some, if shit hits the fan now, I'm not, I don't flip out about it as much as I would have two years ago or three years ago or even six months ago. Like I give it a small window of a little mini tantrum inside my head. And then I'm like, I go right into my masculine and I'm starting to look at solutions and what can I do to get this problem solved? And the interesting thing about that is that some of the time you can't find solutions in your masculine because really the masculine energy is really about execution and, and just getting shit done. So then I have to go, okay, if I'm not getting to the answer here, I need to get back into my feminine energy, i.e., you know, my intuition, my creativity, my thoughtfulness, all those things. And then I, you can become way more resourceful in that second state. And I think it's just, you know, as you get older and as you practice and you, you run your business, you start to figure out what hat do you need to wear to figure this out? Because like Marie Forleo, she's, I, do you know who she is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So everything is figure outable and that's like her mantra. And it is like, and especially in business, if you're looking at it and you're, you're not, you're looking at it from a solutions perspective, there's always some way to figure it out. Always. Right. Um, So what do you think about personal development? Like speaking of Tony and Marie, all of the, all of the amazing teachers that are out there, what do you think of personal development and why? And have you gone to any events or do you do, you know, have a favorite author that you go back to the same book over and over again to kind of give you inspiration? Tell me a bit about that. 
Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in it, you know, and I think we think about it often in like a, a simple comp- context of, you know, having that author or that event to go to. But if you think about it, you know, growing up, um, you know, I, I wanted to be better in soccer. So, you know, I, I would have a trainer um, doing better in school and, you know, hiring that tutor. So I think it, it's something that, you know, I think we've all in a way thought about as kids. And so now as you look at it more in your professional development life, as well as personally, um, you know, for me, it, it was a big um, kind of idea probably about six months ago and took kind of a, a seminar type class. But it was more around crucial conversations. So how do you think about something you know, when you bring it back to that masculine or feminine and part of it is, you know, we can be so assertive and, and have the idea of what we want to solve, but, you know, being able to listen and understand it from someone else's perspective. Um, so that was, you know, a great book for me in just terms of how I need to think about things. Um, and I always kind of think about it as my parents had kind of instilled in us of, you know, your mind, body, and spirit. Mm. So what are you doing for your mind and to grow in that aspect? And, you know, for me, I I think it's easy, you know, I can always, you know, learn something different. Um, Body-wise, you know, my my workouts are kind of where I escape um, and have a great running partner that, you know, I call our therapy. And so as I kind of look every few months of what I need to work on, you know, really it's that spirit side for me right now but putting it in your own context of, you know, what exactly you want to work on. And I've not been to one of Tony Robbins events yet, but the more I hear and do, I think, you know, that's a way. I was just reading this morning, this great article that, you know, personal growth, you know, as part of our wellness, but it's really hard to develop that you're on your own. So you have to really look to other people in a way to kind of push you in those directions. And so I think that's where, you know, having those ideas of what your goals are and where you want to get to. Yeah, it's, it is, um, it takes a village to raise the kid, but it takes a village to raise yourself too. And I think like it's, it is important to have something that, um, that you can go to. That's that it's always about pushing. Like there's, there's things that I've realized when I have resistance about doing something, I know that's when I have to do it. And that's what I've learned partly through my personal development is recognizing that feeling and saying, instead of letting that feeling win, I recognize it as, oh shit, this is something I actually have to do. And so I think there's, yeah. And coaching, like I've got an incredible coach. She's so amazing. She's been on the show and, you know, I meet with her every week and if and being held accountable, I think is another huge part of that. Um, and the events too, like Tony, Tony's events are life changing. There's a reason I'm trying to send a thousand women. I shouldn't say the word try. My coach would call me out on that, but there's a reason I'm sending <laughs> you are going a thousand to. women. Yes. Um, to the event because it's, and, and I, and I, I resonate with his way of doing things and so that's why I've chosen that. But the reason that I love it so much is because it is full immersion. Like you can't go to an event like this and not come out changed. And I don't think anybody needs to change. I think everybody needs to come back to themselves. And I, and that's what that event taught me to do is to come back to who I really am at my core and not be who I thought I was supposed to be. 
And as, as the person who's at her core, that person wants to send a thousand people to this event. So it's in any personal development, I think if it's, if it's a good kind, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there for sure in this space. But I think if they're trying to teach you to come back to who you are at your core, and that is really innocent and beautiful and you're leading with the heart, then I think it's worth listening to, but it's not, it's a muscle. It's like working out. You've got to be, you know, doing something to develop yourself. Now there's also a, you know, frame of thought where if you're listening to too many podcasts and you're not this one, everybody listen to this one all the time, please. But other podcasts, but if you're reading too much or going to too many events, like there's burnout, right? Then, and that's something important to talk about too, is that you can kind of get, do overkill and then you're not actually executing any of the stuff that you've learned. So there's, there's a balance there. I mean, there is, and there's a balance in it and everything of that is, you know, and that goes back to really defining what your goals are because once you've had, you know, some of the coaching or, you know, going to events, you have to take that time to practice what you've learned right? to make it a part of, of your own development. Um, and I love that you have four daughters because I think it's a way, you know, to show them as well. It it's, it is, uh, like today, I'll be totally honest. Like I was getting ready to come down to the studio and I was running short on time. And so I asked, and I'm, I'm a old school kind of mom. Like I have a 32 year old stepdaughter, 22 year old, 18 year old and 10 year old, all girls. And so I was a mother quite young. So I'm, I am very old school, but I still caught myself feeling guilty for asking them to go get the 10 year olds lunch together. And I'm like, what am I like? What? Why am I feeling bad about that? Like, that's ridiculous. But because I always do it, I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, that shit, man. And I'm having this stupid conversation in my head about it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. It's not like I'm like just laying in bed every day, not feeling like it. I'm going to do work. So of course they can help me. And they're more than happy to, but we still get caught up in all these messaging around, you know, our identity, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's so I, I did want to touch on the backpack thing on. Um, I'm just trying to look for it. Tell me a little bit about the charity that you guys support. It's beautiful. I started to actually get a lump in my throat when I was reading through it. Um, so so tell us a little bit about the blessings in a backpack initiative that you guys have on your on your site and through your company. Yeah, it's great. You know, when, when we were looking up, you know, the foundation of what we wanted to build, build a like upon you know, the community aspect and giving back, you know, blessings in a backpack was one of the best partners that we could think of um, is, you know, a portion of every proceed of the, the garments that we sell goes to them because they actually, and I should think of um, pull up some of the stats for you guys, but they will send home a backpack full of food to kids um, on the weekend that otherwise would go hungry. And so as you're trying to build these, kids up, you know, if you're not growing and you don't have the energy, you know, you, you aren't able to do that. So they have been an awesome partner. Um, and, you know, just ways you can get involved is just writing notes and they'll include those in the backpack. That um, is it's, it's just beautiful. Such a wonderful idea. Yeah. It's great. And I, I think it's interesting to mention, um, and it's your, and I'm pleading ignorance here too. Like I, I always tell the kids, you know, cause my 10 year old wants to go to breakfast club every morning and I'm like, dude, you have food. Like 
You don't need it. Let's right. leave that for the kids who don't have the food, right? And okay, but she wants to socialize. So I'm like, I get it. Yeah. However, <laughs> probably a different way. But we, we take for granted the weekends. Like that, when you when I read that, I was like, holy shit. Like I hadn't even considered that. It's not not even that, like I just didn't consider it. And so I think that's incredible. And, and tying it into Tony, he he's huge into um, Feeding America as one of his foundations and, or his charities because he didn't have food either as a young boy there was um like he'll, he tells a story about how somebody brought them a basket for thanksgiving and it inspired him to feed millions of people and i think he's going to try and do a billion meals in the next few years so um you're right like that's the foundation of everything if the kid isn't eating healthy and they're you know eating garbage they're not gonna that there's no hope there's almost no hope in anything if you can't nourish a child. So that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful mission, you guys, um, to be a part of. So, like, thank you for sharing that. It's just gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful. Love it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're great. So I would advise anyone listening to check it out. Um, cool. Well, that that's it. I mean, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, I'm like I'm excited to see where it goes, and um, would love to have like a, maybe have you back on and six months or a year and uh maybe both of you to come on that time i know we i just said just the one for now but maybe down the road we can do it so the three of us are on together and you can tell us how things are going and um any new lessons you've learned anything like that i'd love to have you back but um for now that is it so thank you again for coming on i really do appreciate it and um yeah keep thank kicking you so ass much, <laughs> you're welcome yeah you too all righty bye, bye. bye.